Wings with Wings Productions presents a special episode of The Skylark Bell in collaboration with The Haunted UK Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Oliveri. Before you begin this episode, I strongly suggest you hit pause and go visit The Haunted UK Podcast's 2021 Halloween special episode. The link is in the show notes. It's a fantastic episode retelling a story that will give you chills. Then, come back here for an epilogue of sorts. Now, today's episode of The Skylark Bell is a little different than what you're used to, as it is recorded in audio drama format as a phone call between two characters, and features an introduction and voice acting by the host of The Haunted UK. This episode may also be slightly scarier than a typical episode of the Skylark Bell. All right, you've been warned. Now, go grab a blanket and a warm drink, and let's get started. Halloween 2021 saw the Haunted UK podcast publish a bonus episode which told the unbelievable story of an author and his terrifying experience with something completely out of the ordinary. Going by the name of Robert Crawford, this individual tried to gain some sort of normality back into his life. But those experiences on an isolated farm in England's Peak District would continue to haunt him every minute of every day. Little by little, Robert's life began to fall apart because of the impact of what he'd witnessed and also the fact that Gwen and Bernie knew where he lived. He had no idea what happened to both of them after he left the farm on that final, fateful night. Did they both get out of the tunnels under the barn? Or did they die down there? Every day was a waiting game. Would someone come looking for him, to make sure that he never spoke of what he saw? Just how long had the existence of this bloodline of creatures been kept secret? And how many actually knew about what was going on at the farm? Maybe it was paranoia, but since the events witnessed by Robert Crawford had happened, he began to record his phone calls and document any events which he felt were strange. From his diary notes, he mentioned a number of times that he felt that he was being followed, but never actually saw anyone. He also says that his house phone would ring a number of times every day, but nobody would speak there would just be light breathing. Was this someone from the farm, or was it someone else entirely? Crawford would have his phone disconnected and would then rely completely on his iPhone, which few people had the number for. What you are about to hear is a telephone conversation which allegedly took place a few months ago. The audio file for this conversation was on a USB drive which had been posted in a padded envelope. We've taken the liberty of re-recording this conversation to protect those involved, and to also keep the real name of the farm under wraps. There was also a handwritten note enclosed which simply read, Seek out the book of Alderaya. After a little digging regarding the book which was mentioned in the note, the book of Alderaya is also known as the book of Soiga, or the book that kills. It's not known who actually wrote this book, but it was part of the extensive library of John Dee until his death in 1608. 
Legend has it that a medium by the name of Edward Kelly was used by John Dee to help translate the book, which was mostly in Latin in 1582. Kelly offered John Dee the chance to speak to the Archangel Uriel to help him decode the most mysterious sections of the book, which are around 40,000 seemingly randomly distributed letters. Not satisfied with the secrets of magic, divination spells, incantations and details regarding demonology already discovered within the book, John Dee wanted the key to unlock the code within these characters. When he asked Kelly to instruct the Archangel Uriel to give up the code, he refused, telling him that only the Archangel Michael could truly decode and translate the full potential of the book. And that wasn't something that was going to happen. The contents were just too dangerous. So what mysterious powers lay behind these layers of random letters? It's still unknown today. But John Dee devoted his entire life trying to crack this code, and upon his death in 1608, the book went missing. Until 1994. Where had it been? What was it used for? And what did it have to do with what went on at the farm? The book resides in the British Library to this day. Here is the phone conversation. Make of it what you will. Hello? Hello? Is this Robert Crawford? Um, who's asking? My name is Laura Arden. I work at the Natural History Museum in London, in the Department of Medieval and Latter Antiquities. So sorry to call you so late, but I was wondering if you could help me out with something. Sorry, but how did you get this number? Are you American? Canadian, actually. Um... Well, a little research and access to some databases, and I managed to find you. You're a really difficult guy to track down, considering you're an author. Well, I prefer to keep as much of my life as private as possible. Uh, what is it you wanted again? I just needed to ask you a few questions about something that I think you may be able to help with. You can look me up online at the museum if you like. No, no, there's, there's no need for that. I just don't get many phone calls nowadays, that's all. So, do you think you could help me out? Sure. Yes, I'll, I'll try my best. This isn't about a book signing, is it? No, no, no. Although I have read a couple of your books, but no. I was wondering if you'd be kind enough to help me get to the bottom of something that I found while I was on vacation. It may have something to do with you. <laughs> well, I suppose so, but I'm not sure how much help I'm going to be, but fire away. Okay. Bit of a strange question for starters, but do you have any interest in the occult, witchcraft, black magic, things like that? Well, if you say you've read a few of my books, then you'll know that I sometimes dabble in those topics. Look, what's this about exactly, and how can this have anything to do with me? Well, it's not just about something that I found, but more about the location it was found in. And I think you can give me some valuable information about this location. Okay, look... It's late, and I don't want to come across as being rude, but can you just get to the point, please? Okay, fair enough. Have you ever been to Manor Ridge Farm, Mr. Crawford? Hello? Mr. Crawford, hello? Are you still there? 
Yeah. I'm still here. How do you know that name? Have you been there or not, Mr. Crawford? Look, there's nothing I can help you with, Laura. It's been lovely talking to you, but I have things have to... Have you been there or not? Yes. I was there around a year ago. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. So what circumstances led you to Manor Ridge Farm? In all honesty, I had writer's block while I was working on my next book. I needed a change of scenery, something to snap me back into focus. I found a cottage for rent on the farm and hired it. The different views, the atmosphere, the clean air. It was supposed to help, but, well, it didn't. So what happened? Hold on, how do you even know I was there? Are you working with the police or something? Police? No, it's, it's nothing like that. As I said, I was on vacation and found something. So why don't you enlighten me as to what you found? And why were you up at that farm? I was on a week-long hiking vacation in the Peak District. I planned to get as many of the trails under my belt as possible. Same as you. Take in the views, absorb the atmosphere, get away from the city. I'm not really someone who enjoys being in other people's back pockets, if you know what I mean. I prefer my own company at times, and this vacation was one that I was going to go on alone. So you came across the farm as a place to stay? Yes, but not because I'd organized it. Weather had turned bad, and it was getting late. I was literally in the middle of nowhere in the pouring rain, and it was getting dark. I saw a farmhouse with lights on in the distance, so I headed toward it. The owners told me that they didn't take in visitors. Don't get me wrong, they weren't nasty. Far from it. They were really helpful. They told me that Manor Ridge Farm had a cottage that they hired out. I should head there and see if they could help. So I did. So you make your way to the farm. Then what? Well, I got to the main house and I saw a cottage opposite a barn further up the driveway. So, assuming that this was the place, I knocked on the door and was greeted by a woman. I'd say she was in her fifties, maybe sixties. Had a patch covering one eye. She introduced herself as Gwen and seemed friendly enough. When I asked about the cottage, she was more than happy to help, but something seemed off. I didn't know what it was at the time, but something just didn't seem right. Was there anyone else in the farmhouse? A man, maybe, or outside? I never saw anyone other than Gwen. Anyway, she said that the cottage hadn't been let out for a while, so it was a bit of a mess. But I was welcome to stay the night if I wanted. Well, there was no way I was going to stay out in the rain overnight, so I jumped at the chance. She gave me the key and walked up to the cottage with me and quickly showed me around. That's when she started to make me feel uncomfortable. In what way? What did she do? She suddenly said that she needed to go, and I was to stay in the cottage and not come out till morning. She said that many people had gone missing in the area because they didn't know the hills and the weather. It was just really creepy. Anyway, she just took off toward the barn, and I thought that was strange because the weather was getting really bad. Why not go back to the house? You didn't go back out there, did you? No, not right away. I wanted to get out of my wet clothes, get changed, and get warm. I had a few chocolate bars in my pack, but was really hungry, so I started to hunt around to see if there were any cans of soup or something like that to eat. But there wasn't anything, so that's when I decided to go down to the farmhouse. I can't believe you went back out there, especially down to the house. 
If you've managed to track me down and link me to that place, then surely you know something of what went on there. If not, why are you calling? I'm getting to that. So, I went down to the main house, and by this time it was dark, pouring with rain, and the wind was getting really strong. As I got to the front door, I noticed it was wide open, so I stepped inside and called out for Gwen, but there was no answer. And then the smell hit me. A kind of blood-like metallic smell. I went into the kitchen and, well, it looked like something had been torn to pieces. It was definitely an animal, but that was all I could make out. I began to feel sick and knew that I had to get out of there as quickly as possible. And that's when I saw the book on the floor. Book? What book? You hung around because of a book? This wasn't any ordinary book, Robert. From the markings on the front of the leather cover, I knew it was old. So I grabbed it and ran for the front door. I took a look around, didn't see anyone, so then ran for the cottage and locked myself inside. Why didn't you phone the police? Why didn't you... No signal. You didn't have a phone signal, did you? No. My phone was the first thing I checked when I'd locked the front door. I was trapped there until morning and there was no way that I was going back down to the main house after what I'd seen. Well, at least you were safe for the time being. When I was there, I wasn't so lucky. It was Bernie who came for me with a... Well, that's all in the past now. So what was so special about this book? At the museum, we have archives of extremely old, rare, and precious books. Bibles, authors' first volumes, writings from kings and queens of the past, and books about the occult, the supernatural, black magic, witchcraft. Some of these books go back to at least the 1500s, and their contents are still considered by some to be highly dangerous. But this book was more than just a book. It was a diary. A diary of generations of individuals who had been blessed by a specific bloodline. Blessed? I don't think you realize exactly what you're dealing with there, Laura. What I saw at that farm challenged every single thing that I thought was pure and simple fiction. What I encountered firsthand wasn't something that was blessed. It was something that every man, woman and child should only encounter in their nightmares. But there it was, right in front of me. And it was being protected, coveted, allowed to exist. But yours was an accidental encounter, Robert. If you hadn't discovered the cave system, then none of this would have happened. How do you know about the cave? Who told you about that? Is my name in that book? Yes, it is. Everything that happened over the time period that you were at the farm was recorded. First by Bernie, then by Gwen. I'm assuming that you know what happened to Bernie after you left them both locked up in the tunnels under the bar. You make this sound like all of this was intentional. As if I wanted this to happen. Do you know what this whole experience did to me? It left me alone. I lost my partner, my publishing deal, my confidence, my life. I hardly leave the house, never socialise. I'll tell you what I think happened to Bernie, shall I? Bernie was murdered by whatever that thing was that Gwen turned into. But if I say what I know it is, then it makes it real. And it just can't be. When I was taken down into the tunnels by Bernie, at gunpoint, I might add, I was never supposed to come back out. And it was only down to chance and luck that I made it out alive. So, I ask you again, why do you need my help? I'm so sorry, Robert. 
I never meant to make you feel that way. What you went through was horrific, and here we both are, armed with experiences and facts that prove that what was only considered to be something from folklore is in fact real. I can't quite believe that I'm actually saying this myself, but it's true. If I were to go to my head of department with this book and this story, they'd have me committed. But you've seen these things. You're the only one who knows what Gwen really is. A werewolf, a lycanthrope, a shapeshifter. Stop. Stop, please. I can't help you. I've tried desperately for the last 12 months to try to forget what happened, but it's impossible. If I had the chance, I'd go back to the farm and simply kill Gwen and put an end to all of it. But I can't. I can't go back there. Listen, I get it. I really do. But there are far more people at risk now. As mad as all of this sounds, it was Bernie that kept the lid on all of this by knowing when to take Gwen down to the tunnels to lock her away when the conditions started to take over. Reading in the book, Bernie had documented that Gwen had escaped a number of times and attacked animals on the hills. She almost made it to the village one time. I know. Bernie explained all of this. He told me that it was him that used to take her down to the tunnels to feed, to isolate her away from others, to protect her. But Bernie isn't there anymore, so who's locking her away now when she needs to feed? Who's protecting her now? Why haven't we had headlines in the newspapers of some rampant wild animal attacking people on the hills and in villages? Because she's doing it herself. Gwen had written the entries into the book stating that after she had woken from the last transformation in the caves, she found that she'd killed Bernie, ripped him apart. She managed to find her way out of the tunnels via the cave system that you found the entrance to up on the hillside. She had to wait until darkness to make her way back to the house where she cleaned herself up, opened the trap door in the barn, and took care of Bernie's body. Then she waited. Waited to see if you, the police, or both would turn up. But nothing. Who was I supposed to tell? Who was going to believe a story like that? You? It's only after you've read that book that you finally realize what's actually out there. But all you're basing your opinion on is my testimony and what's written down. All of this could be a lie. You haven't actually seen it. Have you? Yes, I have. But you said that you locked yourself away in the cottage after you came from the house. Did you go back out? Yes, I had to. What do you mean you had to? What happened? I'd made sure that everything was locked up tight after what I'd seen in the farmhouse, and I'd bedded down in the living room on the couch. I grabbed the book I'd found and started to leaf through it. I couldn't believe what I was reading. There were details of ancient ceremonies, symbols, potions, and treatments that had been passed down from generation to generation over the span of hundreds and hundreds of years, all with the same one goal to rid the beast from within, to cure the condition. It seems that no one actually knows where the bloodline started, but in a passage from the 1900s written by a man named Harold Thomas Anderson, he mentions a cave system in Romania where he was due to travel to find the primal. Whether this was a person or a creature isn't confirmed, and there are no other entries from this man in the book, but he was definitely part of the bloodline. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm lying on the couch when I begin to hear something moving from outside of the rear of the cottage, 
as if someone was bumping into stuff and knocking it over. Did you see what it was? Not at first, no. I ran upstairs and looked out at one of the rear bedroom windows, but I couldn't see anything. I initially put it down to the wind and rain, until I heard a loud screaming sound. This wasn't the sound a human would make, it was animalistic, guttural, as if something was in terrible pain. It sounded as if it was coming from outside the front of the cottage this time, so I ran across the landing and into the master bedroom and peered out the window, and I saw it. It was Gwen. She was naked, crawling across the floor of the barn, trying to get to an opening in the floor. But as I watched, I could see hair growing slowly, covering her body, joints bending in ways that didn't seem possible. More screams pierced the air as the process continued, and then it happened. What? What happened? She saw me. She looked straight at me. Oh my god. What did you do? At first, I was completely frozen to the spot. Both of our stares fixed at one another. Mine terrified, hers furious, full of rage. Her eyes looked back and her face was... It was changing. Changing right in front of me. She then rose herself up onto all fours and started to walk towards the cottage. I've never felt fear like that in my life. Watching something like that, slowly walking over to the place that you hope will keep you safe, but knowing that it will never be a match for it. Jesus, Laura. I can remember knives being in the kitchen. Did you manage to get hold of something to try and defend yourself with? Yes, one of the knives. I figured that she was either going to try and get through the front or back door, so I ran downstairs and pushed the large wooden dresser across the back door to try and buy me some time. Then I went to the front door and looked out the window. I couldn't see her. She was out there somewhere, but I couldn't see her. Then, something hit the back door and I heard glass shatter. I quickly closed the living room door and pushed the couch up against it. Not that it would have provided much resistance against her, but it went quiet again. I stood up against the front door with tears starting to stream down my face. I was mentally broken. I couldn't believe the situation that I'd found myself in, and I couldn't see how I was going to get myself out of it. I couldn't call my mom and dad to tell them that I loved them, to hear the voices, and to have that comfort. I was going to die here. And there wasn't anything that anyone could do to help me. <sighs> Suddenly there was a huge bang at the front door, so powerful that the door frame moved. I pushed back at the door, screaming for her to go away. Another bang came and it was clear that the door wasn't going to last long. I pushed as hard as I could and gripped the knife, readying myself to use it if I had to. Then another huge blow came against the door and it finally buckled. An arm covered in gray-black hair came around the door and grabbed my wrist and pulled my arm outside. Then I felt a searing pain as teeth pierced my skin and bit down hard into my arm. I screamed again louder and pulled as hard as I could to get my arm back inside the door, but it was no use. This thing was so strong. A clawed hand reached inside the door against the frame to try and push the door open. I immediately raised the knife using my other arm and plunged it into the hand. I pulled it back out to strike again, but a huge scream came from her and she let go of my arm, and the door closed with me falling against it and onto the floor. I sat there, back up against the door waiting for her to smash into it again and finish the job, but there was nothing. I plucked up the courage to look out the window, but she'd vanished.
I had no idea where she'd gone. How bad was your arm? There were four deep puncture wounds and a few shallower ones. It looked worse than it actually was with all the blood, but I decided to clean it up. I waited for what seemed like hours, but when I was pretty sure she wasn't going to come back, I got hold of my backpack and my first aid kit. I used a towel from the kitchen to take care of most of the blood and then pushed the sofa back against the door. It was just a matter of a couple of hours before daylight and then I'd be gone. Or so I thought. What do you mean, so you thought? She didn't come back, did she? No, well, not exactly. I watched the sunlight fill the cottage as morning broke and I wasn't going to hang around, so I grabbed my stuff, packed my bag, and got ready to get the hell out. I figured I'd go out the back way and get across the fields as quickly as I could and try to make it to a road. Hopefully I could hitchhike to town or village from there. But then there was a knock at the front door. It was Gwen. She asked me to open the door. She assured me that nothing would happen, but also that we needed to talk, urgently. What did you do? Did you let her in? I didn't have a choice. What was I going to do? Stay in the cottage for the rest of my life? I opened the door, slowly at first, then wider. She could see that I had the knife in my hand, and I told her that I would use it again if I had to. She said there was no need. She wouldn't harm me. She reached out her hand. It was bandaged up now, and she asked for the book back. I handed it over, and that's when she began to speak. She explained that the book had details of potions which could delay the effects of the condition. When her husband was around, she never needed them, because he would take care of her when the urges came. It was her dog that she had killed in the farmhouse when I found all that blood in the kitchen with the book. The hunger, as she called it, became so overwhelming that she couldn't control it, and the remedy that she'd mixed was in the tunnels under the barn. That's where she was trying to get to when we saw each other. For years, her and Bernie searched for a cure to stop her condition, and while she never told me how she'd become infected, she did tell me that the bloodlines stretched around the world, and all of the infected are looking for that elusive cure. And now so am I. What do you mean? Why would you be helping her to find a cure after what she did to you? Because her bite has now infected me. And I now need to find that cure, and you're going to help me, and Gwen. What? Are you mad? Why the hell am I going to put myself at risk yet again to help you or Gwen? She almost killed me, and you're asking me to... I'm sorry, Laura, but even though none of what happened was your fault, you're both on your own. Laura? Laura, are you still there? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's a nice part of the world you live in, Robert. Not many houses around. Nice and quiet. What are you talking about? How do you know where I live? Are you threatening me? I can leave here right now and you'll never find me. I don't think so, Mr. Crawford. Why don't you take a look outside your window? You see that silver car across your driveway? Well, I've been here since this call began, and I'm not leaving until you make a decision. The right decision. And also, don't think about trying to leave using the back door, because there's someone you may well remember who'll be waiting for you in your garden. The hunger is getting stronger, Mr. Crawford. And whilst Gwen and myself have a remedy that we can drink to delay the inevitable, we don't have to drink it. And you're the only one who knows what we are. And if we have to permanently silence you, 
Then we will. If you try to get in here, I'll call the police. The police? What will they do to help you? You'll be dead before they even arrive. So what's it to be, Robert? Are you coming back to the farm to take care of us? Or are we coming into your house to take care of you? You've got two minutes to decide. And if you hang up, we'll be inside before you know it. All of your questions will be answered in time, and I give you my word that you'll be safe. But you need to make the right decision. So, tick-tock, tick-tock, time is running out. To be continued. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next week for the last Skylark special episode of the year. A touching story called Elliot Under Glass. And please be sure to subscribe to the Haunted UK podcast if you haven't already. The content and sound quality are unbeatable. If you enjoyed this story, please consider leaving a rating and a review. It's quick and free, and incredibly helpful in giving the podcast visibility, so others can find and enjoy it. If you'd like to support my work, you can subscribe to Patreon or Coffee for exclusive content and advance access to podcast episodes. You can also follow me on social media so we can stay in touch. All necessary links are in my bio. Once again, thank you for listening, and on behalf of myself and the Haunted UK podcast, we wish you happy, or spooky if that's more your style, holidays. <laughs>